United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Gotta get a good cough out before we start. Um, gotta <clears throat> just do a little throat clear. Um, hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and over the last three weeks, I've had probably about six hours of sleep total. Uh, and I'm Chelsea. I'm the quiet cry that comes from a night terror. <laughs> oh, of course, on- if you want that story, you gotta be on Patreon. Yep. And we can't discuss it further because we also signed the NDA. We did. We can't say it publicly. Um, Also, before we get into this week's episode, um, I feel like we would be remiss to not bring up what is going on right now in the world. And don't mind me clearing my throat again. Um, I wanted to share this anecdote if you will um i posted it in discord and in the podcast discord but and i posted a shortened version on twitter but i will share it with everyone now and this actually this like whole interaction that i witnessed happened last month on Mm -hmm. the end of last month but it feels very relevant now as well um For those who have been on Patreon, you've probably heard my gloom and doom rants about the failing everything in the United States between the global climate crisis, the now overturned Roe v. Wade. Potential overturn that everyone's trying to say to make us feel better. No, the fact that they even got that far is too much. Um, The lack of affordable housing in the United States, the increasing price to just exist, and this fucking never-ending war. I have a hard time feeling optimistic about the future. I don't believe the infrastructure exists to support a future for everyone, if I'm being honest. I listened to something interesting today. A woman speaking about having the same viewpoints as I do and finding out that she was pregnant. She really considered terminating the pregnancy, despite her always wanting to be a mother, having a partner who supported her decisions and encouraged this. They wanted to have a family. They financially were in a position to have a family. Mm -hmm. There was nothing in their life that would make them not want to, other than the circumstances of the world around them that they cannot change. Mm Mm-hmm. She had the thought that there was no hope. If she doesn't have hope, why would she bring another person into this hopeless world? And at this point of watching her speak about this, I wholeheartedly agreed with her and with that sentiment. I genuinely had the thought like, yeah, even if I wanted to like have a child, was in the position to have a child, I would have this unbreakable fear that I was raising a calf for slaughter Mm -hmm. just based on what's happening around us and the fact that we can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. But she continued on to say, 
that that's exactly how corporations, people in power, everyone at the top, that's how they want you to feel. When it's all dread and doom and hopeless hopelessness, you're more likely to consume frivolously and tolerate the suffering because you think there's nothing else we can do. You're more likely to walk through life with your eyes closed. They want you to lose hope so that you don't fight against the things that they are doing and continue to do that benefit exclusively them and harm everything and everyone else around them. She was speaking of hope not being optimism for the future or for it to get better, but hope being the driving motivator, the constant friction and battle they have to fight anytime they move a finger. She didn't speak of hope as a cursive decorative sign hanging in your mom's living room. She more so described hope as perseverance and resistance. And I feel like I needed to hear that so bad today Mm -hmm. because it felt very dystopian to wake up um, and everyone just confirming that the leak to Politico was real and true and this is happening. Um, And even in the worst case scenario where Roe v. Wade does get overturned, and the whole thing is like, oh, it'll just go to states' rights. Mm-hmm. A states' rights to remove our rights away completely from us. We live yeah. in a conservative red state. And it's insane to think that, like, body autonomy and a woman's right to choose is now being ripped from her, them, it, it, under the same, like, Standard that, you know, the right is like government interference shouldn't exist in your day-to-day lives and choices and opinions and freedoms. And yet here they are doing this. But of course, the the hypocrisy of it, right? You know, the same Mm -hmm. group of people who ban more books and literature, who banned critical race theory without even understanding it or knowing what it is banned it from elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, where it's not even teach nor never was, never will be. Mm -hmm. They scream snowflake sensitive blah. And yet they are the ones doing the most censoring. They are the ones crying out the loudest. They are the ones stripping away people's rights of choice and freedoms to do what they want with their bodies and with their lives. And it's so fucking crazy to me. And it's the beautiful hypocrisy of the right in the United States to do that. To They, they play that doubled face that so fucking well, you know? And if there's one thing I can give the right that leftists and the democratic party will never fucking have Mm -hmm. it's that ability to play hypocrisy so close to the chest that they disguise it as righteousness and to organize despite conflicting 
opinions, views, whatever. Yeah. If the party says it, it's what they do, even if they personally, morally don't agree with it. Um, and I think the, the right in U.S. politics is the most despicable, evil thing. You know, it's ju- it's just like the whole, you know, LDS church removing certain types of seltzers out of grocery stores. <laughs> You'll dime out on that one. You know, and putting them into the liquor store. They pretend that it's because of religious righteousness, but it's always about corruption and greed and wanting to tax it to make more mm-hmm. money for themselves. It's the same thing with the overturning of Roe v. Wade it's disguised as religious righteousness or even states rights states rights always will trump it's like they try to trump the constitution they try to trump so many different things it's it's a trojan horse it's disguised as like we we don't want to dismember babies just this blissful delicious ignorance they choose every fucking day um, and they disguise it as that when really it's all about this just like calculated and perpetuated, institutionalized suffering and dismantling of individuals' rights. I'm glad you brought up like – fuck, I already forgot what you said. Um, it's just conniving. Uh, I went off on a tangent in my brain. But I'm glad that you said that because – There is a strategy to what is happening and it has been happening. Um, We talk about it like in conspiracy terms, it would be like what a false flag operation. Absolutely. In what's happening now, uh, do I think Roe v. Wade will be overturned? No. With an asterisk, I think that there's going to be a lot of contention surrounding whether or not it's going to be overturned. I think that we're going to have to give up a lot Um, in the sense that it's not the only thing on the table. So it's going to be like, do you want to keep Roe v. Wade? Because in this draft, we've also included um, being able to take oil from national parks or we can frack in these areas. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be making concessions to keep that. Um, And that's how it's been all the time, you know, like we just watched a Stephen Greer documentary and I'm not going to say go watch Stephen Greer. Um, I will summarize the only part of the documentary that has any weight in my opinion, conspiracy wise, but any progress that we attempt to make is always going to be um, sabotaged to keep the top 1% happy. So if you can get Roe v. Wade kept in the concession to have put more money in these guys' pockets, we're going to have to do that, you know? Like, okay, fine. We get to keep Roe v. Wade. You get a frack in North Dakota some more. Mm-hmm. They get more rich. We feel better because we feel like abortion is still safe. Regardless, states are still going to have states' rights that overwrite the Supreme Court because anytime a state stomps on the Supreme Court, it takes way too long to ever get it fucking resolved. And then at that point – Either the fit, like the back alley abortion happens, or the girls who inevitably are giving birth to these children, or I guess the people with uteruses who are eventually giving birth to children, uh, have already had the baby at that point, and they don't have the means or the funds to take something all the way to the Supreme fucking court. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. It's, um, 
Um, it's rough. And I do feel hopeless. Like I don't, I'm not planning on bringing a child into this world, but I don't want to be in this world. Like I, I heard that story where someone snapped a dolphin and I was ready to take a toaster into the bathtub that afternoon. <laughs> My like, fucking I'm god! Fucking what over it! Terrible you know what fucking I mean? story. Yeah. Like I can't yeah. even browse Reddit without the perfectly curated like page that I've put together. Like I don't venture into the unknown anymore. I don't even tap on the little news icon on Facebook anymore. Yeah. Such is the doom and gloom of like what we're doing to our environment, what we're doing to um, marginalized people. It just it kills me, man. Like even like the little like there is some hope in what I see in like the micro like interactions that I have in the real world now and then. Sometimes there's hopeful things there, but whew. Yeah. Well, I mean I very much well, I mean, you know, a climate scientist lit himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court and it barely made news headlines. And he was doing that in protest of the lack of response and awareness and conversation about what's happening. And it got Um, buried. Yep, absolutely. And climate scientists have all come out and unanimously said, we have three years. We have three years and it's over. And we're done and there's nothing we can do anymore. And it's and it's just a countdown clock. Dude, and here's the thing is we have technology to move forward to fix mm-hmm. our planet. But the people who control the oil, the people who control the money, it's not in their financial best interest. So they're never going to fucking move forward. Yeah, no. And that's it. We're and all. They're, yeah, they're going to cash the fuck out until they die. And they're, it's no longer their problem anymore. And um yeah, so um, I just now my hope comes from the delicious embers of the resistance. Um, I do feel like we're at the like dying star phase where yeah. it burns the brightest and emits the most gas before it fades out of existence. I feel like there's going to be these grabs towards like Mm -hmm. things like Roe v. Wade, things like, you know, um, the don't say gay bills or even just accepting that trans people exist and aren't fucking what, what is the term they like to use groomers? Like they're doing these just, revolting claws in the backs of people and they're getting away with and passing legislation to, you know, frack and pollute and just get away with it. And I feel like it's all blowing up right now and it seems like a lot and so much and it has to because like there's that one, there's that one little point you know, that, that little, the last piece of straw on the camel's back. And all of a sudden we're in like a French revolution type situation. Man, I That's what I French think revolution. about. Well, I need the, I'm not the spark to ignite, ignite the fire, but I am very flammable. So you know what I mean? Um, 
And yeah. I, hypothetically, I feel like the solution would be to like just kill the billionaires, hypothetically, for lawyer I know. reasons. I know. Um, but yeah, it's a very depressing time. And uh, I don't want to segue out of it, you know, but that was part of the reason why I thought this would be a good episode tonight because it's just has nothing to do with any of that. Really. We're going to wrap it up in the end in kind of a depressing way, but I think he'll like it. No, well, perfect. I love it. Let's eat some of that delicious cotton candy. That is things that have nothing to do with the terrors of today. Right. Only the terrors of the early 1900s. <laughs> a terrible time. <laughs> it was probably the, also a terrible time in history. Um, so if I were to ask you though, um, this is a quiz time. What would the largest impact event on Earth be during human history? Like, what would you guess? If I was like, something hits the Earth and goes boom during like, human history. Like when the fucking dinosaurs got wiped out. That's close. Humans weren't around with the dinosaurs, but I'm going to still count it. Aren't we? We were like little cave people. No, we were not. We weren't in the caves with the dinosaurs? <laughs> You're telling According me this According to like fundamentalist Christians, yeah. What what narrative would you prefer? Well, oh, no, well, you thought okay. Hold up. Wait, because I thought we were like mammoths are dinosaurs, right? No, they're megafauna, but not dinosaurs. God damn it! Like mammoths existed during like Cleopatra's mammoths time. Mammoths and saber-toothed tigers are not considered like dinosaur no. era. No. Because they're there not some, lizards. But there was some creepy shit living around that time, though, too. Like elephants and big cats? But, like, not not like big cats. Like, like dinosaur cats. <laughs> no. <laughs> Noelle, I'm worried about you. You know, Did I just not wanted- cover dinosaurs in speech therapy? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, you missed out man. on that section. While they were trying to, like, Manchurian yeah. candidate your fucking Long Island accent out of your brain. Yeah, I was pulled out of uh, history when we talked about yeah. when human uh, evolution took place. Man, I thought so- that we were at least, like, some version of an ape human hanging out with the dinosaurs. Like, we went, we no. went like, fish, fish for sure hanging out with dinosaurs. Fish that walked on water, dinosaurs. Fish that walked on water and then kind of had legs okay, a so- little bit us right us lizard people no i don't want to flex at all this is going to sound a little douchey but maybe the australopithecus uh africanus might be but i don't think that they were definitely not around during the dinosaur time but i'm just gonna google it um to africanus this is what happens when fucking weird conspiracy theories about the evolution of lizard people (laughs) i'm like no we were for sure there (laughs) <laughs> okay so n- the australopithecus was only around like three to two million years ago not even close when was the last dinosaur alive what classifying as dinosaurs okay I- the last dinosaur alive was 65 million years ago so like the the existence of that gap of time Having like just that having no space in your brain makes me a little concerned for you. <laughs> yeah, who needs it, honestly? Or at least, at the very least, the California school system has some splaining to do because no, this, we were we were lizard people hanging out with dude, the dinosaurs. I would have thought I didn't, wouldn't have thought in a million years um, that you would have guessed 
if I said in human history that you would have guessed the dinosaurs, like I specifically put in human history because I thought you were going to go with the atomic bombings. And then I was going to say close Noel, but those don't count. But it would be a fair guess regardless, especially if you break down what megatons mean. I literally fucking wrote that because I thought that's what you were going to say. I my brain didn't even think atomic bombs. I immediately went, "Oh yeah, the giant meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs." I gave you all the things. I'm like, if something goes boom during human history, I would have immediately thought atomic bombs. I never would have thought dinosaurs. Dinosaurs well, would have been the last thing I would have associated with human history. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Clearly, anyway, you're not watching enough Jurassic Park to appreciate <laughs> the coexistence right. of humans and dinosaurs. And we're covering so much. Last week, we covered that the ocean is bigger than the Great Lakes. And now <laughs> we're covering that dinosaurs are not in human history. This, the actual size, you're, you're misinterpreting with the again. size of evil. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And That's you know what? You Maybe can- humans existed in dinosaurs' hearts. And I know for sure that dinosaurs have existed in our hearts. So Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to argue with that. But I just want to interject here with megatons. um, Because does it ever blow your mind how often we accept words into our everyday vernacular without really knowing what they mean? Like if I was like, oh, yeah, this was like a 50-ton megaton bomb. You'd be like, that's a big bomb. Yeah, I would like associate it with Transformers. Yeah, and then I actually looked up what megatons are, and then they put it into a definable sense where I, like, I could wrap my mind around it. And I was like, that wasn't fucking hard, so I've just been existing my whole life hearing megatons and whenever people talk about bombs, and I never bothered to look it up. I just pretended I understood. You're just like, hmm, yes, a very big yeah. amount. What? What a crazy, like, parallel to how my life is. I just accept, and I question nothing. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, a megaton is a unit of power used to measure nuclear weaponry, specifically. Also, oh, yeah. beautiful that we had to create our own definitions for that specific type of, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what like, a bummer. Why would they need that? It has to have its own unit of measure. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Or terrible. The, ep- the theme of this episode is that humans suck. I mean, baby, that's the theme of life. Uh, 100- I could never argue with that. If, if there's anything that has more evil than the Great Lakes combined, it is a single human. That's it. That's it. That's it. A thousand percent. Truth is here. Mm-hmm. So specifically, one million tons of just regular dynamite would equal one megaton. I'm going to be real with you. Don't really know Dynam- what TNT. <laughs> Dynamite to me is like it's what prospect is used to blow up the caves. It's it's like Yosemite Sam. Yeah, props. same. Like I bet maybe fifty years ago, people had a better sense mm-hmm. of the destruction of dynamite. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you throw it at a roadrunner. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Right before an anvil falls on your head. Yeah. I agree. To put it into other terms. Um, one megaton explosion has the power to destroy 80 square miles. Going back to the atomic bombings, the Hiroshima bomb was 15 kilotons, which means it would only be 0.015 megatons. This is because 1,000 kilotons make up a megaton. Mm. This should make up the last of the math medical conversions that we're going to do for the episode, but I make no promises. Um, But basically what we want to emphasize here is that we are going to talk about an event that measured up to 12 megatons 
So 12,000 Hiroshimas. Jesus fucking Christ. So let's travel back in time to Siberia on June 30th, 1908. Beautiful. A great Dinosaurs place. definitely did not exist then. I don't think anything existed <laughs> in, in Siberia. I know. Yeah. I... I don't feel like we have to say too many nice things about Russia because this is in the Russian area of Siberia. So it was probably even worse than what we're imagining. Yeah. <sighs> it was on the, um, under the umbrella of the curse of Russian leadership. It was a shithole. There's got to be someone good been. out there. In, in Siberia? Oh, Siberian Huskies. You're right. Siberian Huskies. Um, That's about it, I think. Yeah. We really drew the oil out of the olive on that one. Yeah. So it was 7 a.m. in the morning, and while most of the farmers of the region had already begun their day's work, it was, for all intents and purposes, a relatively calm morning. One such farmer, named Sergei Semenov, was taken by the sky, suddenly illuminating in a bright pillar of light, followed by an ear-splitting sound. Quickly, the windows were blasted out of all the buildings, and the area was consumed in a great heat wave that felt like fire. Sergei was thrown to the ground by the blast, and he, relayed, er, and he later recounted his story, and I'm getting this quote from APS.org, that suddenly the sky appeared like it was split in two, high above the forest. The whole northern sky appeared to be completely covered with blazing fire. At that moment, I felt a great wave of heat as if my shirt had caught fire. Oh, I thought he was going to say, my shirt caught on fire. And I was going to be like, holy shit, it was fucking hot. Trick too, yeah. The nearby... Mm -hmm. The nearby Shanrigir tribe. That sounds good. It sounds okay, right? The nearby Shanrigir tribe also gave accounts of what they experienced, stating that they were awoken from a strong wind before an invisible hand shoved them into the fire. They heard large claps of thunder, and then the only sounds that could drown out the strong winds were the sounds of children screaming. Oh, that's not a nightmare at all. Jesus no. fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, literal, just was immediately bomb, being awoken by hell. Was the bomb made of screaming children? <laughs> yeah. Oh, why was the, the why most was effective the bomb? <laughs> yeah, take that abortionist. Get a hold yeah. of the dead baby bomb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Quickly, the seismographs around the world began firing off numbers, with the Smithsonian reporting what appeared to be a level 5 earthquake. They, along with the Mount Wilson Observatory in L.A., reported that the level of atmospheric visibility had decreased from the amount of dust particles that had been kicked up in the air. And the dust was also highly reflective, where people as far as London reported that they could stay up and read all night without any light due to how brightly the sky stayed illuminated. So essentially the sun on one side, like even though the earth was dark in London, there was enough reflection, refraction, reflection happening that it kept London illuminated by like what? a thousand tiny dust mirrors. What's crazy is that, um, Oh my God, this is all coming from the dark folds inside of my brain, but Oh, different time period. Just kidding. Because in 1816, when Mary Shelley was like shacked up with um, Lord Byron and a few of their other homies, and they had that writing competition, which is how she wrote Frankenstein, mm -hmm. and they were like doing a bunch of psychedelics and having cool sex parties, 
they were inside because it was like the quote unquote long winter. And I think that people were saying that it was from like some, something, some natural disaster happened that Mm -hmm. filled the atmosphere with like ash or soot and it blocked out the sun for a few months. Probably the industrial revolution of humans or something that we caused. I think I thought it was a a natural, I thought it was a natural disaster though. That would be good to know. Um, yeah, well, I'll have to, I'll have to dig into, um, it was a volcanic eruption. Um, this year was known as the year without a summer because of low temperatures in the Northern hemisphere, possibly the result of the Mount Tambora volcanic eruption in Indonesia in 1815, which caused severe global cooling and catastrophe in some locations. And basically all of England was just fucking winter for an entire year and that's why they were shacked up getting trippy and weird right in fucking frankenstein that's insane anyway i got the dates messed up and i thought that this was maybe that it's all just one long period of bullshit no well yeah i mean that's human history in a nutshell Mm -hmm. um but according to thoughtco.com Even people as far as 40 miles away from the epicenter of the explosion were knocked from their feet. There was an 830 square mile blast radius and a whopping 80 million trees were leveled completely. I won't go into the casualties, but I will say that I will trade or if I could trade every animal death for a human, I would. Yeah, I can only imagine how fucking horrible that shit was. So now we, we're we obviously talking about a meteor here, right? We've all seen Armageddon, and we know the destructive nature of space rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, a sudden burst of light in the atmosphere, followed by a loud boom. Suddenly, everything within a 40-mile radius is knocked off its feet, and every building you know, looks like it had just been bombed. You know who knows the destruction of space rocks really well? Bruce Willis. Dinosaurs. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> they know it more than anyone man. they honestly might be the experts in it yeah dude i could not speaking of this like the looming knowledge of just the bullshit of land before time and the trauma is done to my psyche was hanging over me like a fucking rain cloud this entire episode yeah it's like i just oh. want little foot and his mom to be together forever oh you fu- oh you know that the the child actor that would played Littlefoot murdered was, like, brutally was murdered it? by it was her Ducky. fucking dad. Not Littlefoot. Oh, Ducky. it was Ducky. It was Ducky. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. The little girl from All Dogs Go to Heaven, too. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! The tragedies don't stop. Dude, the spider web, of the, the fallout from the dinosaurs is all encompassing. And every day we're affected. Rigid. Every day. <laughs> That's what we need. I know you wanted me to do that wishbone shirt, but it. Should be a fucking dinosaur shirt that just have no idea what it's fucking dealing with, and it's just gonna be the little girl. Yeah, ducky dinosaur. No, I'm still gonna do wishbone, but still, um, people have no context into that. Just know that we're making cursed, or, yeah, making right. cursed images, <laughs> making merch. shitty merch. Yeah, but it's gonna be great merch. Um, so scientists estimated that a meteor would have had to probably weigh 220 million pounds and traveled at least 33,000 miles per hour. Ooh, a determined queen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So referring again to APS.org, Russian mineralologist Leonid Kulik conducted a survey for the Soviet Academy of Sciences 
and after reviewing or interviewing the locals, he requested that the Soviet government fund an expedition to the remote Siberian area so that he could take a look at the blast area himself. And although... You want to know what happened the last time the Soviets went and investigated something that made a loud boom? Everyone disappeared. Everyone turned into human puddles. Yeah. Um, there are going to be puddles in this, but literal it's puddles. A, when will they learn? You know they what won't. I mean? Don't ask this. Don't ask the Soviet Union for shit, man. Don't ask them. Don't trust them. Honestly, I know that they fell on their own sword at the end there. Sure did. But this is just asking. You're touching the. You're touching the stove while it's cherry hot, and you're wondering why the fuck you got burnt. I mean. You're preaching to the choir, man. My God. I Every time I see Soviet Union, I'm like, this is going to be trouble. Yeah, they're going to go touching shit that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what happened, kind of. Um, although some of his attempts to reach the site failed, like, just let us emphasize that Russia is huge and places there are hard to get to even now. Mm-hmm. But just imagine how it would be in 1908. So he eventually made his way to um, Tunguska. Did we even say where this happened at? It happened in Tunguska. It's called the Tunguska effect. I don't remember oh. if you said that. Oh, we're talking about Tunguska. Okay. Um, what a waste update. because I listened to so many YouTubes on how to pronounce that and then I wrote it phonetically in the title so that I could you see You titled it on the page. document Tunguska with it phonetically spelled out. So maybe that's where we got tripped up. My bad. He went to Tunguska, which was in Siberia. Um, and it took him a really long time to get there. Like, he didn't get there until 1921. Keep in mind that this initial blast happened in 1908. Oh, so and it took him quite quite a bit of time. <laughs> a really long say. time. Mm-hmm. Some might say quite a bit of time. And he didn't even get the government-approved funding until 1927. So, Typical. Typical. Matt, it took him 19 years to finally get the government's essential approval to go look at what happened. Um, I I have a feeling not much was really going on 19 years later. He didn't find shit, Noel, that would indicate an impact. Yeah. No impact whatsoever. No shit. Context, the dinosaurs, those existed 65 million years ago. The supposed meteor that took out the dinosaurs, we can still see that millions of years later to not see a meteor impact of that size even after 19 years is unheard of there was no fucking impact none none Hmm. Hmm. yet so what this means is that for nearly 20 years the entire world believed that tunguska had been hit by a meteor and all of the scientific studies indicated as such but that was not the case what this guy did find, though, was a five-mile radius of scorched trees that had all of their branches blown clear off, but they were still standing. Just outside of that five-mile radius, though, all the trees had been blasted down in a radial pattern. And Kolik was a man obsessed. He did return to the area three different times, and every time he was trying to find the impact crater that the meteor should have left. He was desperate. And... He would find a bog or two, and then he would have them drained. 
But once he drained them, there was plants, like there were plants at the bottom. And then they could tell that those plants were much older than 20 years. Like the trees that were the tree stumps that were in these bogs that they drained had not been impacted by a crater. And there was no damage to them at all that would indicate that a massive 220 million pound rock had smashed into him from outer space. Mm -hmm. He even hired an aerial team to take photographs of Above the landscape to see if they could find an impact site, but they too failed to find anything. It seemed that, yes, the explosion had occurred. Everything that we talked about occurred. Like people were still blown off their feet. There were still millions of animals that died. 80s of like 80 million trees were burned, but no fucking impact. Just the evidence of an explosion. Um, hmm. So the only thing that they really could determine was yes, something happened. But it had to have happened several miles above, above the surface of the Earth. So let's break down what we know so far. Roughly 37 years before the first atomic bomb exploded, something happened in Tunguska that set off a blast 12,000 times more powerful than Little Boy at Hiroshima. And according to UFOinsight.com, the impact was strong enough that the world felt the fucking like blast like vibrations twice it had the chance to travel around the world two times before it eventually like fizzled out so like all of the like aftershocks and things could you imagine that twice was how fucking strong yeah. this thing was and then it finally lost momentum and then for days afterwards russia asia and europe were all illuminated by the dust particles in the air that were like reflecting light all the way from the sun on the other side of the earth. This is what happens when you drop a bomb full of screaming, crying children. Yeah, it was the baby bomb. Yeah. And it's been over 100 years since then, and we still don't know exactly what caused the Tunguska event. But I'll be damned, Noel, if we don't have some theories. Oh, I bet there's a fucking bunch of them. First off, NASA, never a straight answer, Yep. still believes and perpetuates the lie of the meteor on their website. As and a lot been. of... Yeah, and a lot of people will. Um, and I'm not saying like a lot of people will in the sense that like, oh, like mainstream media does. It's just a very simple explanation with no evidence whatsoever. So it's mm -hmm. the easiest explanation, right? Mm -hmm. But remember that the cause of the blast definitely could have been from a meteor. I'm not saying that it wasn't. The only reason I'm saying that it wasn't, asterisk, is yeah. that there was no evidence of it. A meteor that size even if it broke up partially in our atmosphere, would still leave some impact sites. Like we get meteorite showers mm -hmm. with like meteors like the size of a tennis ball that like destroy cars that you hear yeah. about. Hail does more evidence of damage, fucking hail, mm -hmm. than this 220 million pound meteor, supposed meteor would have done. And yeah. NASA has the audacity to put it on their fucking website. How well, they put they? it. They put anything on their website. Haven't you seen the pictures of the moon landing? There are no pictures of the moon landing. All I've seen is Photoshop. <laughs> All I've seen is sound stages uh -huh. on a universal lot. Thanks, Kubrick. That was your greatest work. I know. It goes the moon landing and, and then you know, and then The Shining. Yeah. Um, the shat... The Shining is the shadow that the moon landing casted. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know. So let's get into some theories, though, about what the fuck the Tunguska event actually could have been. Um, 
And there are a few. I'm picking out some because there are so many. Um, I'm doing a little for Noel. I'm doing a little for myself. There we um, go. There are some that were pretty interesting, and I do want to highlight them, but I want to explain why we're not going to go into them on this episode. Um, there is a very prominent theory that black holes and interstellar co- collisions could have been part of it, um, but I could not pull the interesting parts out of this without also getting into all the boring parts to make this an interesting theory. We can do a black hole an interstellar collision episode, but it's going to take at least like a couple of pages of just explaining. Um, Have you ever tried to listen to anyone speak on black holes? Because the theory is interesting. The math and science behind it, ear bleeding. I am so fucking glad you said that because I actually took a quote from historyrundown.com just to show you how boring some of this stuff was. It's, The physical process that occurs when a subatomic particle collides with its respective antiparticle of the opposite charge produces immense amounts of energy. And like, I had already been like dick deep in Googling atomic bomb math that I couldn't Mm -hmm. take it anymore. Yeah. Um, Oh, I tried to watch like a Neil deGrasse Tyson explanation about black holes. And, you know, he does like the dumbed down, like for dummies version. And I still was like, what? No, I need the word. I need like the YouTube drama channel where it's just the girl. She's like, okay, 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 hold on. And then like fixes her ponytail. And then she's like, she taps on her happened. glasses to be like, pay yeah. attention here. Pay yeah. attention here. Like Jake Yancey. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Philip DeFranco. I need like the YouTube rundown. I am a millennial consumer. You got to like really just pitch it to me quick. And then it's mm-hmm. done. And yeah. Give me the elevator pitch. Yeah. Give me the elevator pitch about black holes. And then we, maybe we can go in it later. So yeah, I, I cannot cover it. And I will not on this episode. Um, Plus, they weren't as fun. It was just basically like a black hole somewhere on the other side of the universe opened up a portal. And that the energy from that transmitted through. That was essentially it. It was a lot of math. Not that much fun. Hmm. But let's start with something that is fun. And I want to really highlight a local school of thought. um, Specifically, the the indigenous people of the Tunguska region. So the Evenki people are an indigenous group who are really known for their reindeer herding. Um, That's essentially their main shtick. They also do fishing, hunting, but they are people of the land. Um, And after this mass event occurred, a woman from the Evenki tribe named Akulina spoke out stating that the cause of the explosion was entirely supernatural, and it was because their god of thunder was responsible for it. I like that one. That's fun. It is fun. And... It got a little, it got like one of those points where I was like, I want to cover the local folklore, but it got one of those where I was like, oh, interesting, bitch. Um, Mm -hmm. Specifically, um, the Evenki take this belief so seriously that they now consider Tunguska a sacred site. And they've even gone so far as to kill people who have gone there hoping to investigate. Like if they can't (laughs) run you off, they'll kill you. Hell yeah, Um, brother. Let's keep it metal out here. And I would not fuck like fuck with the Evenki any more than I would like fuck with like indigenous Americans and some of those beliefs, because it's like, you know how it toes the line of like the unnatural, natural stuff, like things like skinwalkers, mm-hmm. things like medicine men, things like the Kachina dolls. It's There's- always tied to an actual event that happened. Yeah, and Even if like-, like the superstition and belief like mm-hmm. is, is just what they sugarcoat the yeah. event in. 
it's the unknown has enough presence to respect it. Like if somebody says, don't go there, it's an Indian burial ground. Not going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it, there's just something to it. And I got that vibe when I was kind of reading into it because they are very much an old soul religion that was birthed from nature itself. Um, from vertilock.com, we also get a description of the God of Thunder, and I love this so much. Um, Agdi, by which they describe the old man, the Lord of Thunder, as well as the thunderbirds that come down to earth and cause the thunder. Mm. The Agdi birds are as big as black grouses, made of iron, and their eyes are fiery. Their thunder arises from their flight above the earth, and their eyes flash like lightning. All the Agdi have close relationships to certain shamans, and some old shamans were great friends of the thunder, and this friendship has passed to their descendants. This is why any wicked shaman can call the Agdi in order to do harm to a group of people he hates, or even to a whole clan. Whoa! Now, at this point, we would be remiss if we did not direct people to episode number 56, um, called Mythical Beasts of the Wild West, because you will see where we are going with this and how, it, insane, how it ties in. Dude, what if, okay, you know what? I was very unfair to you earlier because like the tombstone pterodactyl, you know, dinosaurs, yeah. messy. Dinosaurs definitely still exist. I will apologize with Thank my whole you. chest. Megalodons are for sure still in the ocean. Oh yeah. Um, we don't know what Thunderbirds are. Not going to fuck with them either. Di- they're dinosaurs. I'm not touching. I said the stove did. was off. Yeah, the oven's fucking on, man. You think I'm going to stick my hand in there? I don't want to get burnt. Mm. I, my, I have insurance, but it's American insurance. So you know it's not good. Yeah, so I'm still paying out of pocket. Yeah, you, my, you still know that my copay is going to be out the yazoo. So that was the folk, the local folk theory, local I religious theory. Next, this one's a little for me. We have the alien theory which came predominantly from a man named Alexander Kassantsev. I'm going to call uh, him You didn't go as Russian Kassantsev. as well. There's too many. There are consonants. There's so many consonants. There are a lot. Um, but he pretty much lived the life I aspire to live. He was a science fiction writer, a ufologist, ufologist. and a player. Nope. I will die before I ever say you ufologist. Well, you just did. So RIP. Well, thank you. Dead inside. <laughs> uh, catch 22. So now, before you tear into him too hard on his accolades, Alex was a pretty dil- like a pretty diligent guy in his research as a sci-fi writer. writer and at least he didn't like L. Ron Hubbard start a cult. Like that's fair. When the um, bar is starting a cult, we appreciate when you don't. Yes, and he did have some passing knowledge about nuclear bombings, just based on the amount of care and research and integrity that he put into his science fiction novels. Not expert level by any means, but also, like, familiar enough to write a book. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And he had actually visited Nagasaki and Hiroshima after World War II. And he thought that the decimation there looked very, very similar to what he witnessed at Tunguska. And, in fact, there was a strange phenomenon that we mentioned earlier that we kind of glossed over. And that was at the epicenter of the nuclear blasts in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there were also trees that were left upright near the blast radius, which is the exact same thing that happened at Tunguska. Mm-hmm. And here's where this theory diverts into two fields of thought, that it actually was a nuclear explosion that happened there. So the blast, according to Alex, was the result of a failed UFO landing. 
He believed that by using nuclear propulsion, alien spacecrafts were capable, capable of interplanetary flight. One of the ill-fated crafts experienced some sort of interference or malfunction and attempted a crash landing on Earth, but their engine was overwhelmed once they hit the atmosphere and triggered an explosion. Nuclear engine go boom. Huh, that's a fun one because then it's essentially like it is like a nuclear bomb, but there is no um, remnants left because we would assume that maybe like they crash landed but bounced back up and got out. So just did damage and just on out of here. Oh, or maybe like the blast was them like firing all cylinders to get the hell out. Yeah, and they just popped out of the atmosphere. Oh, I love that. Um, I do like that actually. It's a fun one. I'd like to think that they lived. They for sure did, or else there'd be evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. The second field of thought is where people took the idea of Alex's where UFO was coming to Earth, but it was taken out by the Russians with a bomb that caused the craft's engine to explode. Oh, there's another reason why there wouldn't be evidence. <laughs> yeah. The explosion? The uh, Russians took it. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um and really, when you consider the Soviet Union at the time, I, or just the state of the world in the early 1900s, it's not really outside the realm of possibility that mankind had bombs capable of this, or that they even had nuclear weapons long before the public was made aware of the existence that we had functioning nuclear weapons. Like, mm-hmm. There's always that theory that the military has technology that's like, what, decades in advance and by yeah. the time we're seeing it, it's already like in its seniority. It's like yeah. already filtering out. And interestingly enough, there is evidence to back up Alex's claim. One geologist named Alexei Zolotov and a professor named Felix Ziegel would make the journey to investigate the blast at Taguska. They believe that the blast radius was shaped more like an oval and less like a circle meaning that whatever exploded was likely encased in a non-explosive shell, i.e. an engine inside of a UFO craft. Interestingly enough, within the blast zone, the two investigators were able to find metallic substances in the soil which they couldn't account for. Even more interesting was that Felix was able to get his hands on some of the reports from observatories who had records of the Tunguska event. And it was a report from the (laughs) Tantranska Observatory in Poland, where he stumbled across information that they had in fact been able to track an object at the time of the blast and that it had changed directions multiple times before impact. Okay. Doesn't sound like a meteor to me. I mean, I do like the, I do like the UFO theories. They are fun. They are are fun. This is where we get to the part where I put in like big bold caps, Noel, do not read ahead Mm -hmm. Mm because this one's for you. Oh, here we go. And don't say I never gave you nothing. Because this last theory we're exploring on this episode is that the I, the idea that the Tunguska event resulted from none other than Nikola Tesla's death ray. <laughs> you better believe it, baby. We're oh, bringing it back. We're this bringing one's it back. so fucking good. The original to the foundation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the beginning. And we could do an entire episode about Tesla's inventions. Like, we already did one about Tesla being screwed over by Edison. Um, But he had – we just need a Tesla shirt. I know. This is – but the the problem is – you know what the problem is. The problem is is that people no longer associate Tesla with Nikola Tesla. 
They associate it with fucking Elon goddamn Musk. We just gotta do his face then. I know. And then just put not Elon. <sighs> wow. You know, I just yeah, I forgot. I forgot how much I love Nikola Tesla and how he did. He gave us everything. He gave us everything. And we took it all and spit it into the spit yeah. it back in his face. Thomas Edison um, took it. Thomas I Edison and Trump's fucking great yeah. grandpa. I told you that this episode was going to circle around and be sad. Mm. And obviously that's the road we're heading down. It always comes down um, to Nikola Tesla. So at his prime, Tesla was primarily focused on how to send limitless power through the air. Something mm-hmm. that we could call like a Wi-Fi today, but the ability with like electricity and things like that. Even more interesting, he was also researching how to kill from miles away using nothing but electricity. And we are not shitting on Tesla here. The death ray wasn't his version of the Death Star, where the power to destroy planets would lead to ultimate power. It's more akin to like the Gungan shield from the Phantom Menace. Um, basically oh. creating a dome of energy that would destroy any enemy passing through it. Mm-hmm. This would completely eliminate invasion from other countries and essentially eliminate warfare as we would know it. Um, God, he was so good. He was so good to us. Yeah, all he was, it was just like, just shields, man, to make sure we didn't fuck with each other. Um, yeah. And Tesla attempted to get funding for his projects more than once. And when Edison wasn't busy murdering innocent animals, he spent the rest of his time tarnishing Tesla's reputation. (sighs) God, fucking Edison. But, you know, you can't keep a good man down. And in 1934, Tesla let slip that the research that he had been doing on the possibility of the death ray had come to fruition. And at the Yugoslavian embassy in 1937, he quietly confirmed that he had built it. And mm. guess what happened to him that same year? He didn't die, but he was run down by a car. And although it didn't kill him, this was the trauma that he never really recovered from before he passed away in the New Yorker Hotel in 1943. Mm. This is where his technical papers and research were confiscated by the paternal uncle of none other than Donald Trump. God, again, Not a conspiracy. The history and the trauma, oh. it's always there. Yeah. But let's circle back to the death ray and how it relates to Tunguska. Robert Peary was a naval officer and famous explorer known for his expeditions to the North Pole. And in some circles, he does get credit for discovering it. Not going into that today. Um, Jesus. But he was a friendly acquaintance to Tesla. And while he was on his way to the North Pole for another investigative and adventurous endeavor, Robert was contacted by Tesla about around the time of the Tunguska effect. Robert stated that Tesla asked him to keep an eye out for anything unusual and to take a detailed report on any strange occurrences he happened across. According to xemplore.com, quote, It seems entirely reckless, but Tesla's experiment may have been the act of a frustrated and desperate man. Tesla was a genius who never quite got the recognition he deserved. The financial backing for his work was drying up, he had a big chip on his shoulder from past failures, and this one may have put him over the edge. Was the Tunguska blast Tesla's test of his system of wireless energy transfer? With the testimony of Admiral Peary, Tesla could have proven his power worth the investment and reclaimed the ad- admiration of his benefactors and continued his work. 
Hmm. Now, imagine for a minute if Tesla had successfully come up with a way to focus energy into one spot from hundreds of miles away from the target. It wouldn't fucking have happened because he would have been taken out immediately. Yeah, and while most people try to spin the invention of a death ray, it was really what Tesla called the teleforce. And he always maintained that it was protective technology that would help protect millions of lives in the event of a world war. And guess what we were coming up to? Because you see, at the time of the Tunguska effect, Tesla was already 52 and inherited a deep hatred of war, both from his father and after living through the horrors of World War I. He had the means, ambition, intelligence, and follow-through to put his time and money into something that would have benefited all of us, especially in the few short years before World War II. Oh, oh. so I, yeah, I mean, my statement still stands, but it would have been taken away from him because Mm -hmm. peace doesn't make you rich, baby. It doesn't. That's why we have war. That's why as soon as the war in Afghanistan ended, all of a sudden we're sitting back and letting the Ukraine do our dirty work for us. And I mean, Ukraine, not the Ukraine, letting Ukraine do our dirty work for us. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just the industrial complex finding a different way to play, man. Always is, man. And regarding Tunguska and the fact, like, in the end, though, we just really don't know what it was. All that research that we mentioned from everyone who went there in the early 1900s, um, destroyed by the Soviet Union, they prevented any distribution of it before they destroyed it. Trump's uncle took all of Tesla's research and handed it over to the government, so that's a wash. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it was an alien encounter is like just lost in the in-between. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That the, the Tesla connection is juicy, juicy peach. Right. I mm. was gooped. I mean, as much as uh, UFOs is delicious and fun. We all we we have nothing but proof that the powers that be were taking down Nikola Tesla at every turn. Hundred percent. And when I started this episode with one hundred percent authenticity, I did not know it would lead to Tesla. I never know where they go. I mm-hmm. look, f- you know, like you and I bounce things around. We mm-hmm. send each other like, let's do this, let's do this, and sometimes it's like, oh, from this I found this, and from this I found this, and um, I was like, let's just talk about something that happened in Russia. Let's just not talk about abortion. Yeah. And then we get all the way back to Tesla and how, yet again, the government is putting its foot on our neck. And yeah, any man. Chance of advance, any advancement that would lead us away from the industrial war complex. What happened to Tesla is is my, my abortion. It is my personal abortion, unrelated to the one I actually had. This is my metaphorical emotional abortion. Soul. What happened to Tesla. It killed your soul then. It absolutely did. It aborted that. Oh, wow. What? What a treat, man. Mm-hmm. What a fucking treat. Yeah. Also, everyone go back and listen to the <laughs> Tesla Edison episode. I know. I didn't look up the Tesla episode because I was so gooped about the Thunderbird, and I didn't know I was going to get into Tesla at the time. Yeah, but I a, think we actually labeled it. Like, yeah. it's so much easier to find episodes now that we just don't throw a word <laughs> That we happen to say. We don't just say a sentence and are like, that sounds good, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And then I think we actually use like relevant imagery 
so you can just look at the this is what I do this is how I know like what have we talked about I mean I try to now use relevant imagery when uh doing oh. podcast posts Tesla was still when we were freaky geeks oh Jesus it's episode 147 and we released it August of 2020 wow um but yeah go take a look for that it's a really good one prepare to be sad because like the things that edison did should be considered war crimes and he got away with it with the empowerment of the u.s government yeah he fucking sure did well well boys and girls I have another bomb to drop on you. Boys, girls, they, thems, NBs. Um, This other bomb that I have to drop on you is that you can go into the bios of any of our accounts, personal or podcast, and find a link. A link tree, you might say. Mm -hmm. And in this link tree, you can find the button that will send you to our merch page, where you can get some cool fucking shirts, including... The Protect Trans Kids shirts. Um, probably going to do something else in there to um, help fund the fight for mm-hmm. reproductive rights. Since that's something we have to fucking do again. You can also find um, the link to Kelly Holloran or Wildwood Owls Etsy and get some stickers or an enamel pin or a bandana. I think there's a few left. Um, and just check out her shit in general. It's amazing. She's amazing. You can also get links to our private Facebook group, Discord server, um, links to follow us on all the social media. I'm at Noelle Fane. That's at Sithlard. And most importantly, you can find a link to our Patreon where a dollar gets you in. You sign an NDA. Don't spill any of our secrets, but you get new episodes every week. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Yeah, it is. You sound um, like Ira Glass. Thank you. You're welcome. I do all that off the top of my fucking dome piece, you know? So I I I can't do any of that. Absolutely impressed. I look at the script that lays on the back of my eyelids and I figure it out. Mm -hmm. Better that I have to, if I look at you and then look back at what I wrote down, I'm lost. Lost in the ether. Also fucking a bug landed on me during that and I'm trying to <laughs> the invasion happens every Dude, summer. It's happening. We're getting close. Um, anyway, now more than ever, as always, and most importantly, hail Satan. Mm-hmm. Hail Tesla. Oh, hail Tesla as well, also and forever. Okay. Bye. Bye.